1: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's
1: your call for the best college football coverage, from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott. That's Tom Franelli. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover3 and all across that 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for watching. If you smash that subscribe, smash that like, come and join us in the chat. It is a live instant reaction show. We absolutely have our Scott Frost watch on as that game is Nebraska driving. Four minutes left, 38-35. If Clay Helton finishes Scott Frost's career, it will be the most perfect college football fairy tale for the most sickos of sickos. But... That is only a small, small, small part of what was an amazing week to Saturday that featured two top 10 teams losing to Sunbelt opponents. More than a half dozen ranked teams taking losses overall, as we are guaranteed at least one more ranked team losing later with Baylor and BYU currently in action. Lincoln Riley showed for what looks like zero sense of humor in a wouldn't-it-be-hilarious moment on the farm in primetime on national television. And speaking of USC, yes, that Clay Hilton-Scott Frost thing is, might be pretty hilarious. And yet, we are facing a massive debate on two issues throughout the college football rankings, which we'll get to in a little bit. But a game that gave us so much, Alabama 20, Texas 19, a Quinn Ewers injury, a Bryce Young comeback, the Longhorns playing well enough defensively to win the game and yet they got into scoring position six out of their 11 full drives they come out with 19 points out of those six scoring opportunities in a one-point loss that does end up proving to be very significant Texas covers so hey I'll I'll wear that one you know I dropped it here I dropped it on... Uh,
2: Not a great day for Lock Unity.
0: The early edge, yeah. I mean, it was just... HQ, I, was, I will wear that one. But I will say that, uh, that Texas's effort here, though commendable, comes with plenty of criticism, but it also comes with the acknowledgement that it is all because of Quinn Ewers, who looked awesome, in it's very, very, very small sample size in the first quarter, getting knocked out with what Steve Sarkeesian called a clavicle sprain. They were cooking, boys. I thought this game was going to be done in like three and a half hours and Fox would be furious. But luckily, with all the drama in the second half, we made it almost a full four hours, as the, as the Fox execs would intend. Alabama 20, Texas 19. Is there any super positive to come from this for either team right now?
2: I do it depends on how long Quinn yours is out it's hard to like there's obviously moral victories in hanging tough with Alabama after losing your starting quarterback early in the game and the fact that like I for me the biggest takeaway is how kind of good Texas's defense looked overall they gave up the one long run which really reminded me of what we saw so much from them last year but other than that like they were physical they were fast they were flying to the ball they played well and I feel like that's a good sign for them going forward but if yours is out for a while, I mean, card played well in his place, but card was banged up too. And it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that goes forward. But this is suddenly a Texas team that I think I have a higher estimation of going forward, as long as they keep the same kind of intensity as they showed today. And of course, with college football teams, that's always a question. Like, are you just getting up for the big game and let it down when you play? Who are they playing next week? UTSA? Or is there going to be the, wouldn't it be hilarious letdown? Or is that just what they are this year?
3: I think you could take away that Texas defense is ahead of schedule, right? Yeah. We, we, we can talk about how Bama's offense is not in sync right now and, and, and why that is, and probably will do so as soon as we get done talking about Texas here in about two minutes. But that Texas defense was fast. It was physical. It communicated much better on the back end, I think, than it did last year. Like l- Last year, you would have guys just running wide open, and this year, like, I'm not really convinced Bama's offensive line is amazing right now. After watching them, but credit to Texas' defensive line for getting consistent pressure on them, and and credit them on the back end for not allowing you know, that many explosive plays. They allowed a couple, but not not a ton. So I really thought Texas's defense was impressive. You know, Sark from a play calling standpoint, I loved it, especially when he had Ewers in there. He was he was emptying the clip. Uh, Sark from a game management standpoint. Uh, now, he was not the worst guy on the day. We'll talk about Narduzzi in a little bit. But you know, really, I think when you, when you have your backup quarterback down there and you decide to kick those short field goals, ask Brian Harson. short field goals do not beat Alabama. Not going for two doesn't beat Alabama. Now, look, you could tell me, hey, we're not going to go for it because we have a backup quarterback. I think the counter to that is how many more times do you actually expect to get down here this close with your backup quarterback? You need to sort of seize the momentum. When you had the shot and I I think those field goals were were not the right choice and I I think the book backs me up on that
0: the book being the sort of like expected points added. Yep. right. Okay. I thought that Texas A&M's offense was being held together as much as possible by duct tape once Quinn Ewers left the game. I thought it was very obvious once the once. Yours was gone. It's like okay, mm-hmm. all right. We're gonna do whatever we can, and something that was allowed by, as you mentioned, the Texas Texas's defense success. So a lot of credit on the broadcast, and some of the credit around the conversation was going to Gary Patterson. Do you assign? I don't. I mean, I, Uncle Gary has been nothing but indifferent to me throughout our extended <laughs> career together. <laughs> I I I'm willing to say that's an easy credit that's given. Like I almost want to look at. Um, I, I almost want to look at the players, especially the ones that have, are like three and four year players, but like, I don't know, man, that just might've been like them deciding that they were not going to get pushed around like an in- incredible individual and also unit effort by those Texas players. But Gary Patterson also has a great line of success of game planning and he had a long time to prepare for this. And so I, where, where do you assign some of that credit there uh, in terms of uh, Texas's defense looking good? I have no idea.
2: (laughs) I mean, they just—they played well. I don't know. Gary Patterson probably deserves some of the credit for sure. The players probably deserve more of the credit. I think that, honestly, Alabama, it reminds me of last year. And, again, we'll probably get into this more because, like, Alabama, there are some concerns about that team after what I saw today. And that offensive line was getting beat up pretty good. Bryce Young was kind of having to go, like, I don't know, Whatever superhero word. mode. Yeah, he but, was kind of having yeah, to do everything like on his own out
0: there. Yeah, and then, and, and I'm, I'm saying that like he has to literally put the offense on his back. Like he's yeah. he's making people not named Jameer Gibbs look better because there's nothing that's extremely impressive. The the one run oh by God, just McClellan one- was great. What? That
2: one blitz, Jameer Gibbs didn't pick up from the linebacker oh. in the a gap. Oh, he his the ass Young He
0: wasn't even in there for passing downs for no. like a quarter and a half. They couldn't even put him out there. It's this is a this is a troublesome uh, troublesome offense right now. Thankfully, they have one of the most outstanding players in the entire sport at quarterback, or else I I don't know how Alabama would be able to accomplish all of the goals <laughs> that they still have and that they still have in their sights after being able to escape with the win.
2: But I I legitimately have concerns because that offensive line was bad and we saw it be bad in a lot of games last year, including the Georgia game, the Florida game a few times. There's no receiver like who's the number one receiver on that team right now. Nobody has stepped forward. Jermaine Burton looks like a guy who got run out of Georgia, not a guy that left Georgia on his own. It's just there's I look around. It's like I feel like it's Bryce Young and 10 other guys
3: right now. I agree with you, Tom. I, I also think that they don't have a guy to take the top off the defense. Yeah. And that guy, that guy's supposed to be Tyler Harrell, but he's, what, is he banged up right now? He he didn't play. So I'm interested to see how does this offense look like when you have, I mean, Tyler Harrell is one of the absolute fastest guys in all of college football. So that's going to be a situation where on play action, maybe when they get him back, that could be a game changer type guy for the Tide if if all works out in the best case scenario. But, you know, we heard that basically like they didn't like that offensive line coach last year. Maybe having the new offensive line coach would help. They didn't look that much better. And I got to tell you, man, I, I don't like this offense under Bill O'Brien. Everything just looks like it's more laborious. And I I just, I'm not into it. It, Mm -hmm. it, Bama's had really nice offenses ever since Kiffin. And clearly some of this is personnel related. I'm not, not a dummy to that fact, but is he getting through to these guys the same way? They make a lot more mistakes. It seems than they did before Bill O'Brien got there. And I, I do kind of wonder if it's all personnel, man. Like they, they got a lot of talented guys on that roster. The inexperienced at receiver though, is probably even more the offensive line to me. The fact that everything just feels like it's late. And I know Bryce is a very fast processor, so it's not Bryce. It's mm-hmm. he doesn't trust these guys yet to be where they're supposed to be. And for good reason. I mean, like he, there was a couple times he almost threw picks today because the dude was not in the right spot. Um, the one to, Oh shoot. The, the freshman from Alabama, the, the short, short kid, uh, the, the, their their slot
1: so he runs
3: princess? correct correct yeah so yeah. so Prentice is Prentice is supposed to sit right and he continues on his route and it looks like Bryce throws the ball behind him Bryce put the ball where it's supposed to be He's supposed to spin him out against zone right so to me that is a concern until Bryce gets more chemistry with these receivers I'm not really sure Bama's offense is going to function all that smoothly but there are questions here
2: yeah and I think you bring up a good point too because if you just look at this game who was the play caller for Alabama when that offense was unstoppable? Sark. Who yep. was the guy calling plays today that kept Texas in a game against Alabama with his backup QB? Yeah, you can question some of the decisions he made, like as far as the red zone and kicking the field goals. But it was him calling plays that kept that team in that game the entire day. So the, the, yeah, <laughs> there was a direct comparison watching that game. No doubt about it.
0: Alabama moving forward probably gonna give up number one in the polls.
3: Yes, and it should. Yeah. You you would take Georgia over Bama tomorrow, right? If they had to play? Yes. Like not four months from now, but if they had to line up and play a game tomorrow, Georgia looks like they have their stuff together a little bit more than Bama does right now.
2: Yeah, I mean it's I didn't see any of Georgia today. They won thirty three to nothing against Sanford, which honestly so that, seems that, a little like coach that me. they played
3: the, the coach they played is the first guy ever to give Kirby Smart a job. So I figured okay. they would so they, they would not run it up on, on Sanford.
0: Oh, yeah, it was 30 to nothing at halftime. That's why, like, for me, the important stat from Georgia is actually more of a a dual game stat where Georgia has outscored its first two opponents 58 to three in the first half. Because in both second halves, the game has been over, and all they've done is cruise to victories. They treated Oregon like they treated Samford, like they're going to treat the next opponent, and the next opponent, they're going to be up 30 points at halftime against all these guys, and then just put in the backups, run the ball, and let the clock bleed. It's going to be the Georgia way of doing things all the way through the rest of the regular season.
3: And yet, I think there are some questions if Georgia faces a, a, another elite team uh, based on what I saw against Oregon, right? That average depth of target for Stetson Bennett, who was extremely good at operating what they did and was their, their, their killing machine. Mm, boo. It's
0: five it's yards. Nerds. I mean, it's college like, football. Hey, all right, it's college every
3: football,
2: single though. yard counts. Not <laughs> just the ones with the balls in the air. The ones after the catch count too, just the same. The yak master. Right. Mm-hmm. So, hey, he wills him. He's like a chess master moving his pieces across the board. You don't always go vertical. Sometimes you go left. Sometimes you go right. How? Sometimes you move backwards. So
0: the roughing the passer that was targeting that was oh, not wow. roughing the passer or targeting that was ultimately ruled an incomplete pass, even though the Texas fans thought it was a safety Oh, what do we make of that cluster you-know-what that happened right there?
2: What uh, did the ref say after the review? Like, he said, I was told the wrong thing. What did he say?
0: He said, I misspoke. Man, man came out here and was like, oh, I, I listen, it's not I targeting. misunderstood
3: what was said to me.
0: I misunderstood. I yeah, yeah, I misunderstood what was said to me. Uh, it's an incomplete pass. Which, by the way, it was an incomplete pass, right? I mean, they showed us the review. Bryce Young was never down. Looked like it could have been a safety, but he fell on top of the Texas defender and got the ball out. Right, all's well that ends well. What do you make of it?
2: But it's if it is roughing the passer or whatever, then why the hell is it still fourth down?
0: Because it's an incomplete pass. No, they said there's no roughing the passer. There's no targeting. Can you overturn roughing the passer? You can if
3: they basically if if you're okay. The way they did this, right? they called roughing the passer on the field and then after realizing what a ba- like what a bad call they made i think they realized they like oh well we called roughing the passer targeting but what we really meant uh, to say we misspoke was just targeting right so it's not roughing the passer uh but i i thought it should have been like a safety i thought okay, yeah
0: intentional grounding or something mm-hmm. like that yeah
3: that was pretty I wild. I saw a
2: ref say lots of weird things today from the I mis misunderstood what was said to me in the Virginia Illinois game. A ref stopped the play right before the snap and literally turned around and told the band in the student section to stop playing while the other team had the ball. It was just a very weird day for refs all over. Oh, the we had
0: bottles and shoes thrown on the field. In different oh. screens, I saw both bottles and shoes thrown onto the field, stop the uh, stop the play. <laughs> Incredible. Um, all right, any any last word? We've got so much to get to. Any last word on Alabama, Texas, yeah. or any thoughts before we do?
2: Is anybody beating Alabama
3: in the West? Even after what you saw today, like oh, Alabama to win, to win the division, or mm-hmm. like, or will Bama go undefeated in the West? Will they go undefeated? I really need to look at their schedule and the timing because I feel like they will get better as the season goes on. Georgia, All right, so they. East Louisiana Monroe, Vanderbilt, Arkansas. Arkansas is on the road. Then they host AM and they go to Tennessee.
0: The Arkansas AM Tennessee trio is like if you Mississippi don't
3: have it, state too on the backside of that. If no you don't wrong.
0: have it together by the end of ULM and Vandy, then things then we put the warning light on.
3: Arkansas is also down a lot of guys in the secondary, and like some of those are for the year. So they are already deep into a secondary that had lost some important guys uh, in the offseason to the draft. So, yeah, Tom, that's a great question, man. That is really a good question. I, I will say that they still
2: go undefeated in the division. So what we're saying is Texas is the second best team in the SEC West.
0: What we're saying is that the Sun Belt is better. The Sun Belt East is better than the SEC West, right? Georgia Southern East. up forty five to forty two against Nebraska right now.
2: In the final minute, we're watching Scott Frost get fired in live action by Clay Helton.
0: I'm telling you, that's just beautiful. What a sport! I, mean, I just died. This league. <laughs> Um, so app state has a two point conversion to walk off potentially against North Carolina. Chase Bryce misses a wide open receiver. Then they have a two point conversion to tie the game and Chase Bryce gives the ball. Oh, he stopped short. Um, Chase Bryce showed up today against the Texas A&M defense, absolutely loaded with four stars and five stars. And the App State offense didn't have a ton of success, but they had enough success. And Texas A&M's offense, led by Haynes King, was dreadful. This Aggies team losing as the number six team in the country to Appalachian State, again, one of several Sunbelt results of the day, has exposed... All of the worst concerns that anybody had about Texas A&M, whether you're Bud Elliott mentioned it back in February, whether you're just, I don't know, a, a great Texas A&M fan who happened to be passionately following the podcast, talking to me yesterday on a Zoom call about Jimbo's offense. Texas A&M fans have got to be pulling their hair out that this is what they're left with in terms of a final product, in terms of an offensive performance, because it's dreadful. And while Texas A&M, based on its talent, can get up and get anyone, including Alabama, today's loss exposed why the ceiling is capped on what you should expect from the Aggies this season.
3: I, I would like to read you some numbers. 31, 23, 18, 22, 19, 21, 36, 18, 16, 42. I'll read you one other number, 19. That first list of numbers is the list of explosive pass plays that North Carolina, without its two NFL prospects at receiver, threw on this App State defense. That second list is pretty short. It's the list of A&M's explosive pass plays today. One, (laughs) this offense is where elite receiver recruits go to kill their careers. Man, I got to tell you, like with all the speed that A&M has, it's ridiculous that they just cannot hit explosive plays. And it's because it's it, this offense is not a good college offense. It's just not. There's a lot of ways to create easy explosive pass plays in college football. We see it all the time. We see wild shootouts. And yet, you're asking guys to process this stuff that they can't do it. And it's hard on the receivers too. And then they're not able to really run the ball well enough. Uh, there's no way that you should ever score 14 points, seven on offense, by the way. One of these touchdowns was a kick return. They scored seven offensive points today. They had 186 yards on 38 plays. Man, I didn't even mention the tempo thing. This offense is just so trash, man. Like, I I remember when I said when we were doing win totals, I was like, give me the under. I also have a national title ticket in case Jimbo changes things up and actually allows these athletes to be athletes. But, you know, on on a game-to-game basis, give me the under on this team. I don't trust them. Right, 186 and yards. One
0: hundred eighty-six yards total. They looked like <laughs> Iowa. Yeah, Texas A&M did. is becoming Iowa.
3: You held App State to three point nine yards of play and lost at home.
2: <laughs> hey, maybe after Scott Frost gets fired here in the next couple minutes, Mark Whipple can make the move
3: down to College Station, and Jimbo could give up play calling duties. It's really bad, man. Like that, it just the thing is, I've seen this for thirteen years. There was a stretch it looked really good and that was when they had the number one overall pick. His name was Jameis, and everybody else in that offense also got drafted or at least made a roster. So if you got that, you can really run whatever the hell you want. Other than that, please run some more college-style offense and try to score some points.
0: Yeah, and don't forget in the uh, title year, too, Timmy Jernigan absolutely exploding everything your opponent wants to do from the interior of the defensive line.
3: And Eddie Goldman, who was an all-pro for the Bears, (laughs) and then next to him... You know, like Christian Jones and Mario Jr. and Teldon Smith and Terrence Smith and Jalen Ramsey and Terrence Brooks and Ronald Darby and P.J. Williams. Everybody on that defense got drafted, I'm pretty sure, except for Jones, who I forgot what happened there. There
1: was something. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive.
0: Enough about the Florida State rabbit hole. They were off this week. Knowles were able to sit back and enjoy their LSU win and their 2-0 start, uh, at least for a little bit. Notre Dame fans were not able to enjoy this because while Texas A&M lost at home to App State, at the same time, we also saw Notre Dame lose at home, this time to Charles Huff and the Marshall Thundering Herd. Huge win for Marshall. And for many college football fans, it should be a reminder that Yes, Marshall is in the Sun Belt this year. Um, when Southern Miss had, was acting a little bit frisky against Miami early in the game. Yeah, Mario, we're not going to act like we didn't see that first half. It wasn't pretty. But we were looking at a huge Sun Belt takeover. Now, Miami was able to write things against the Golden Eagles, but Marshall was able to take it all the way. Marcus Freeman 0-2 to start the season. 0 three to start his career as the head coach since his promotion. As he coached that Fiesta Bowl loss to Oklahoma State, the Notre Dame offense in a in a very very similar storyline to Texas A and M lacks explosiveness. What do we? Can Notre Dame bounce back? Uh, what what's sort of the course correction here for the Fighting Irish after the loss to Marshall?
2: Well, first of all, Chip. You mentioned that Marcus Freeman's now 0-3 in his first three games at Notre Dame. This is Notre Dame's 116th season. Marcus Freeman is the 24th coach in program history. Do you know how many of the previous 23 started 0-3?
0: I know that. I thought none started 0-2.
2: None has started (laughs)
0: Uh,
2: 0-3. Listen, the offense isn't good. Like, and it's not, you know, watching the game, it's not the play calling. I think Tommy Reese is calling the same kind of plays he was calling last year for the most part. I just don't think they have the personnel. I don't think the offensive line is nearly as good as we anticipated it was going to be. I think Michael Mayer is still good. I think the lack of wide receivers has been a serious problem. I don't think there's a number one running back in that team right now, or at least somebody that's reliable. I think Ty Buckner is a young quarterback who's had to do way too much way too soon and is struggling to get the job done. And the defense is fine. So I, I'm not, I don't think that the Irish are dead in the water or completely screwed for the rest of the season, if the offense starts clicking and gets things figured out, they'll probably be fine. But this is not your college football playoff competing Notre Dame fighting Irish that we've seen in the last few years. This is a Notre Dame team
3: that's going to be trying to get to eight wins. I mean, you you can't run the ball on Marshall. Yeah. This offensive line, you, yeah. you're going to have problems. I mean, Tom, they were 37 for 130. That's yeah. bad. Yeah, that, that's not bad. a good day against Marshall. I I want to see 37 for 260. If you're going to run the ball 37 times against Marshall, I know two of those were sacks, so call it 35. They threw the ball 38 times for 221 yards. Neither quarterback had a passer rating over 100. That's just, that's not going to get it done. And this defense is not that bad. I mean, they allowed, what, 19, 18 offensive points? Marshall had a pick six. They're just not, they're not as good at running the ball as they think they are. And I would I mean, say they need to take some more shots on that but...
0: offensive line. Like, that's the
3: thing is they're, I mean, shot. Right, so we, if we think that, does that mean they're poorly coached on offense then? Because they don't look well at coach on offense. I see. I don't
2: think the play calling is that bad. I think that everything, oh, not even, I don't think it's that bad. I think it's been fine. I think that they're just not getting any push anywhere.
0: I mean, it's, it is one of the great um, revelations of the early part of a season when we spend all offseason studying these depth charts and the personnel that when they teams do not look like the sum of their parts. In, we can see individuals and depth charts that be like, I like him. I like him. I like him. I like him. I think he could be good. He needs to take a step forward. This group looks like it should be good. And they go out and play and they're just not like that, that's college football right there. And right now, Notre Dame's offensive line does not look like it is a, a dominant group right now. I, I did not get enough eyes on this game. I'm, I'm going to try to do better about this, by the way, on the reaction pod so I don't get, get caught in a jam. I did not get enough eyes on this game to personally criticize the play calling because I was sort of bouncing in and out of it. But I can say that, in general, when you've got those kind of results, this is not matching my preseason expectations for Notre Dame. Even, no. even losing Kyron Williams, right? But, like... Yeah. With the personnel on that offensive line, with the personnel on that offense, I was not expecting them to be able to sling it through the air, (laughs) which, hey, Tom, do you want to give a special shout-out to Captain Three Star?
2: Oh, oh, our guy who gave us a three-star review because we thought Notre Dame was going to be an eight-win team, even though it had the greatest offensive line and defensive line in history, and we obviously don't do our research. No, nah, I wasn't.
0: No, going no, to no, that. not not that Notre Dame's zero and two, and that eight and four would be a nah, fantastic I mean, outcome. By I would
2: I, I mean, they're he's right. They're not going to go eight and four. They're probably going to go seven and five. So I mean, it's it's we were wrong. We did not do our research. Also, speaking of our listeners and our our viewers. Um, changing the subject a little bit There's a tweet out there from Danny Connell From August 29th That says I gotta take I think Nebraska is gonna double their win total From last year and still be fine with Scott Frost Don't go find that tweet and retweet it
0: Oh, oh no Oh no, look, there it is Oh, oh geez It's right there on the oh, screen I, I accidentally
2: retweeted it myself oh, oh, I better take that oh no. down Oh
0: no Oh <laughs> no um, yeah, so the, we've gone final, by the way. Um, as as we are recording this live and as you are listening to this later, Georgia Southern, Clay Helton has defeated Scott Frost. And this is the USC Stanford week. And it was after the Stanford game that Clay Helton got done. Like I, I think that $7.5 million is enough to wait until after October 1st. Right? Because... October first, our buyout for Scott Frost drops from fifteen million to seven and a half million. I think it is worth seven and a half million to at least wait until that happens. I don't think Nebraska is ready to pass around the hat like that, but I think we saw the Scott Frost era officially end tonight, right? Yeah, I mean it's yeah. I mean, there's no harm guys, in
2: waiting. What's going to get the season's not going to get. It's you're already in hell. I mean, you might as well just wait and save yourself a couple million. <laughs>
0: Wait, wait, wait! Hold on. So you're saying fire him now?
2: No, no, no. I'm saying wait until the buyout goes down. You're already like this is done. You might as well just save yourself a few million in the process. It's going to be awkward for about three more weeks.
3: Bud, I mean, just yeah. I I, th- I thought he was fired after the, the Northwestern game. Like I, I, I mean, unless they went on some kind of insane run, which they don't have the defense to do clearly. Like we we saw Northwestern put up what thirty something on these guys. Georgia Southern just dropped forty five in Lincoln at I don't know like I, I we, we couldn't say like he's one hundred percent done because theoretically I mean, he's a one score a loss. And,
0: everything's a one score everything's a one score game with Nebraska
3: <laughs> yes and I think that's the damning statistic on, on, on Scott yes. Frost he played he plays way too many one score games with what you should have at Nebraska.
0: Mm. So uh, Georgia Southern got $1.423 million for that game against Nebraska. That's according to USA Today.
2: Uh, That could have gone towards the buyout. What (laughs) if
0: App State got $1.5 million from Texas A&M to go to College Station and get that win. And because Notre Dame is a private school, we have no idea how much money uh, Marshall got, but I'm going to assume that, uh, that it was somewhere in that market range. Uh, Cole, oh,
2: Nebraska's defense,
0: Cole from the chat asked, would you rather have Iowa's offense or Nebraska's defense? Uh, Tom, your answer is Nebraska's defense, bud. I, yeah, I
3: think it's Nebraska's defense. Iowa's offense is worse.
0: I, I thought,
2: I thought you were going to say, Iowa's offense and I was going to throw my back out again.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, like Tom, Tom is, is playing through it it's right now. Game. Jordan flew game as, as he threw his back out. He, he mentioned something on Twitter. Um, so I know that some of you might've already seen it, but yeah, thank you, Tom for powering through before we hit the break. Any, I was in and out of Iowa state, Iowa, obviously the fact that a six game losing streak in the series was snapped is significant. And Iowa state fans are very happy. The fact that Matt Campbell as head coach of the Cyclones has his first win in the series is notable. It was everything that I wanted. Uh, I was dialed in early on. I had to bail a little bit in the second half, but when we only had like 10 points and four turnovers at halftime, I felt good. You know, I was right where I wanted to be, at least in terms of, uh, you know, the scoring, the defense, the inability to execute offensively. But it kind of felt like Iowa State had a, a leg up for most of the yeah. game. And Iowa was just hanging on. Um, any other thoughts on uh, on the cyclones or that game in general? It
2: was an awful football game, and I loved every terrible second of it. But no, you're. I mean, Iowa State had 313 total yards. Iowa had 150 total yards. Spencer Petras, 12 of 26 for 92 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Deckers did not exactly cover himself in glory either. He had two interceptions, but he also took the game winning touchdown to Xavier Hutchinson. That was just I that was more Iowa State beating itself, I felt like, than Iowa sticking right. around.
3: That drive was insane. <laughs> was it 12 20, plays, 99 21, yards? 21 yeah. plays, 99 yards, touchdown.
2: That after what you had watched for that entire game, like a 99 yard drive seemed like the like I had just as good of a chance of running a
3: marathon today as Iowa State did of going 99 yards. Well, hold on, 100%. that was amazing. So uh, Iowa, like, does Iowa fire Brian Ferentz tonight? No. no, not
2: unless Kirk gets a divorce.
3: I mean, mom's, dude, mom's, is, mom's not
2: going to let that happen. You're not <laughs> this this right, is like our a
3: son. This is like a joke. Like when, when you're trying to prank your friend and you just like like keep keep it going because you don't you don't want to give in. This is this is just horrendous. Look, their drives tonight. 16 yards, 15 yards, 34, 26, 5, 2, 3, 5, 1, 19, ooh, 5, 11, <laughs> and, then, and then 43 when Iowa State is playing sort cover, of prevented. Cover six.
0: My, my yeah. man said 19, ooh. Like, was
2: that was and that 19-yard drive ended with a fumble, so the only thing that stopped Iowa was Iowa.
0: Uh, producer and, Jordan coming through with – so I'm just going to blatantly just throw this out here. So he hasn't thrown a touchdown in nine straight games? Correct. Oh, my God. And
2: after the game, Ference wouldn't even say – he says it's not even his fault. He's saying there's a whole lot of people to blame for what he's doing. It's like either either the backup is just the worst thing you've ever seen
3: or that man is just in absolute denial about what he's got. What What happens if uh, – wait, Nebraska still has to play Iowa. We're going to get to see mm-hmm. that matchup that you proposed. On Black Friday.
0: Scott Frost ain't the coach, though.
3: No.
2: Mark Whipple's the coach. Mark
0: is the head coach, Mark Whipple.
2: What happens if that team gets hot and goes on a winning streak under Mark Whipple? It's
0: cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens. Yeah. It's a much cheaper replacement. Uh, Please go you- Mark
3: Whipple, Nebraska head coach. I, 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 I beg you. Love it.
0: Coming up on the other side, we've got a huge overtime win for Tennessee. Kentucky going into the swamp and spoiling a hot start for the Gators, and much more from week two next.
1: let's go it's the most all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply
0: back here on the cover three podcast so we had um the tennessee do you want to do tennessee pit or do you want to do florida kentucky or kentucky florida first
2: you're the toast, you tell me. Yeah, you 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 call it.
0: I would say that Kentucky-Florida feels like it carries a little bit more significance because of how it cools two hype trains that are similarly linked uh, and on the same track, which is number one, Florida in general, a team that was unranked in the preseason, jumped all the way to number 12, and number two, Anthony Richardson, uh, who was exposed or at least fell way short of the expectations against a very good Kentucky defense. Now, while Chris Rodriguez was not back for Kentucky, Kentucky was able to get uh, key players back on the defensive side of the ball, but that Wildcats defense was 100% prepared, swarming to the ball, making life difficult for the Gators' offense through and through. Anthony Richardson did not have a good game uh, statistically, He had a couple flash moments, but for the most part, this was uh, an ugly, ugly game. Uh, Well, Will Levis had a couple, like what, maybe three really impressive passes? You know, like I'm I'm not going to come at this as like a, you know, dogging Will Levis, but the quality of the game itself was uh, Kentucky was able to grab a hold of a low scoring grinder late and then be able to sort of keep Florida at arm's length. This is going to lead to, obviously, Uh, a cooling of the Florida stock, maybe a surging of that Kentucky stock, particularly if Chris Rodriguez is going to be back in the future. What's like, how do you look at those two in terms of uh, sort of the national landscape? Because the distance between them and Georgia, I think, is significant enough that that is an unfair measuring stick for us to look at both of them about.
3: I mean, somebody is going to have to be ranked highly because they're both sec teams right and i'm not sure either of these teams are, are actually all that great I, I didn't think kentucky looked all that good against miami ohio kentucky had basically two defensive scores tonight they, they had mm-hmm. a pick six and they had they had a pick that was returned inside the five uh upon which they, they scored thereafter kentucky's offense does not look good at all like the, the broadcast was making a big deal about how uh, kentucky's offensive line is a different combination this week and they're mashing people and We kind of saw Utah mash last week as well in the fourth quarter. Florida has no defensive line depth. Their backup D tackle is like 400 million pounds or 419. Listed 419, whatever he really is. So from that standpoint, I'm not super impressed with Kentucky. I was fairly impressed with Kentucky's defense, though, and that they did not allow explosive plays, which is clearly the way to beat Anthony Richardson. I would request these Florida fans who got on me last week for, for noting how Florida was having success with Richardson, and they were telling me, no, he was being a great pocket passer. I was like, heck, he was. Go back and look look how they used him, right? there was a lot of play action, little half-roll, quarter-roll stuff. Really loved their plan last week. Kentucky threw a different plan with these guys. They said, no, we're, we're going to play a lot more zone. We're going to see if you can be accurate underneath, if you can communicate with your receivers. And ultimately, he was not, right? He threw those two picks. The one was just trying to force it. The other one was a miscommunication. And when you're playing a lot of zone like Kentucky was, you got eyes on the quarterback. If guys miscommunicate the route, boom, pick six. So I Kentucky, I think just they were the smarter team tonight overall, despite the fact they had just some crazy special team stuff, you know, go against them.
2: Yeah, this game stung.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean,
2: I too did just like think I wanted to see the quarterback battle. And both of them, I mean, Richardson was the worst of the two, but Will Levis was not good either like will levis had a josh allen game but like josh allen at wyoming kind of josh allen it was 13 to 24 202 yards touchdown interception lots of lots of throws off his back foot while backpedaling in the pocket for no reason by the way it's not like he was you know under pressure he was just backpedaling and then throwing off his foot when there's nobody within seven yards of him it's it's just yeah it was an ugly game kentucky better defense is what ended up winning them the game and you know, if you hear a squeal of delight, it's because that's Jordan just reacting to me saying that Tennessee might actually be the second best team in the East.
0: And so there we go. Tennessee gets it done against Pitt in overtime. The game is like truthfully not as much of the fireworks display as you might have thought going into it. There were explosive plays, and uh, Tennessee's defense did its fair share early. Keaton Slovis goes out, though so I would argue. Keaton Slovis to like like Keaton Slovis and uh, Nick Patty were neck and neck at the end of spring. Keaton Slovis gets named the starting quarterback early fall camp. Was there much of a drop off?
3: Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah, there was a significant drop off there. I mean, Slovis was carving Tennessee for the most part. Nick Patty went nine of twenty for seventy nine yards, and and he got banged up too. But honestly, like Pitt, Pitt fans should look at themselves for this loss at their head coach. Terrible game management by Narduzzi, man. Just, what are you doing at the at the end of the half? There, you're, you do you you punt that, and then you,
0: you, know, you the, Context, bud. What let's 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 go. Like, what was the situation? End of the first half. Right, let,
3: let, me, let, let me let me let me let pull this up. This is just this is pretty ridiculous but by, by, by Narduzzi. And the thing is, he's done this kind of stuff before, right? So you have. Uh, let us see if I can find this. There was like a really bad punt, or Tom, are you watching this? They punted with this.
2: they punted with a minute fifty left.
3: Correct. Oh, yeah. So it's four fourth and two on their From own the forty seven. Yeah, and they decide to punt. Okay, but then you get the ball back with fourteen seconds on your own thirty seven, which I don't. I don't th- do they have timeouts? I don't think so. Okay, and this is the play Slovis gets hurt on. He gets a nine-yard sack, so you're not be, you're not willing to be aggressive enough to go for it on fourth and two from your own forty-seven when it's pretty <laughs> you're gonna, clear you're going to need. Hail Mary. <laughs> how many points wins this game if you're projecting in the moment, like not knowing that, that Tennessee would slow down? What once they knocked your quarterback out? You have got to be thinking, I need thirty-five plus to win this game because Tennessee has a really good offense that looks even better than it actually is because they play at a, at a berserker tempo, right? So you. It's just this conservatism and then trying to make up for it with dumb decisions. And Narduzzi's done this before so many times. And now we got his quarterback hurt. So, yeah. Do we have
0: any update on uh, Slovis, like what it was and and what to expect?
3: I haven't seen it. I haven't heard
2: anything. though.
0: Is Pitt still ranked on Sunday?
3: No, because the Mountaineers lost too. That's their good win. But where Mm. were they ranked?
0: I was, I've got them right on the cusp right now, but only because we also have Texas A&M, Notre Dame, Wisconsin losing to Washington State and Houston losing. A lot of lot of teams lost. Yes. Where
2: were they ranked?
0: Seventeen.
2: They lose to an SEC team by seven,
0: which was also in overtime.
2: What else is happened around ranked? the country? I bet they hang on to 24, 25. That's what I was thinking. Sure. You got to, you got to get your, you got to put yourself in the brain of an AP voter who's just slotting teams down based on results.
0: Yeah. And, and by the way, I think Texas A&M might be out the paint. I think Notre Dame at 0 and 2 is hundred percent out the paint.
2: Texas A&M will still be ranked. Who are you kidding?
0: Well, probably 15. Well, then I'll, then I will just eat the tech sags, uh, tweets that are coming for me in an hour as I have, Kansas state as a placeholder right now to see what happens with, uh, with Mississippi state and Fresno and Oregon state here later tonight. We'll see. Um, Okay. Elsewhere around the country, Arkansas, as Bud mentioned, uh, lost a couple like Catalan, a player that we mentioned earlier. He, we found out he's going to be ruled out for the rest of the season with an injury, but they rolled on the ground game over South Carolina crazy fourth quarter here as uh, south carolina made a little bit of a charge but arkansas had answers on almost every turn 44 to 30 win for the razorbacks um let's see yeah this
2: game was 21 to 16 going into the fourth quarter and it finished 44 to 30
3: so shout out to Cody Kennedy's group as the offensive line coach at arkansas 54% success rate running the ball against south carolina that's, That's better like better than half the time. You bet. You bet.
2: If you get fifty-four yeah. percent of your bets right, Make you're, it you're muddy, making money, bro. bro. Yeah,
0: I know. Um, all right, so let, let's go across the country. What else stood out?
2: Um, the Big Ten West is exactly what I thought it was. There's nobody all that good in it. Wisconsin loses at home to Wazoo. We talked about Nebraska losing to um, Georgia Southern. Dude. Iowa loses to Iowa State. Duke is well coached. Duke beat Northwestern good. like yeah, Illinois beat ball team. Illinois beat Virginia, but Illinois played terribly. Um, I think Purdue, I can't remember who Purdue played, but they played an FCS team, but they won, but you know, it's just Minnesota kicked somebody's butt, another FCS team, but pretty much everybody that played another real
3: opponent today, except for Illinois and the big 10 West lost. So on that Wazoo, Wisconsin thing, um, if you told me that Wazoo lost to or that Wazoo beat Wisconsin, I would have figured that
1: Time Ward, their transfer yeah.
3: quarterback, just went nuts or something, or it was just a huge turnover fest. Not true. Turnovers were actually even. Wazoo's defense played okay when I mean, they allowed 400 yards. Wisconsin just had a ton of drives that didn't cash into points, right? So they were 130-yard edge. They had drives of 50, 34, and another 50 where they either missed field goals on Right turnovers on downs. That's basically the game right there. But what what were they ranked? I don't really pay attention to the rankings. Um,
0: Wisconsin was at seventeen. Yeah,
3: 19. I mean, no, nineteen. Yeah. What's the difference between the fourteenth team and the forty fourth team right now in
0: the not much. One. Yeah, hype, <laughs> attention, momentum. Like, I mean, sure. th- that's the problem. Is like, yeah, you're looking at it from a power ratings perspective. What's the difference between fourteen and forty? Probably a field goal. But, you know, the, the the point of the rankings is to draw your attention to the shiny objects in that uh, all of those teams are not competing for a national championship. So, you know, who's who's the flavor of the day? Who's on the top 40 charts? Like it's it, it is very much top 40 radio type feel when you get outside of the top dozen.
2: Like, well, Cam Ward didn't have a great overall game. The one. The thing that was weird to me, just seeing this Wisconsin defense as much as I've seen it over the last few years, like Wazoo completed passes of 43 yards, 38 yards, 31 yards. You don't see teams getting that many big plays in the air through Wisconsin very up regularly. And they got them at key times to keep drives going and help them. You know, they only finished with 17 points and Ward only finished with 200 yards passing, but they were taking shots and they were hitting them, which you just don't see against Wisconsin.
3: Tom's right about that. I, I, who who wins the West at this point? Is it still Wisconsin? I have no Minnesota. idea. Minnesota. It might be. I mean, it might be Minnesota.
2: I've honest to God, based on what I've seen, Nebraska and Northwestern, and even Northwestern has a chance, but Nebraska is the only team where I feel like doesn't have a legit chance to win the division.
0: I did not get any eyes on the double overtime thriller between. Texas Tech and Houston, that will be one that I'll have to offer my personal takes on upon further review. It is set to be re-watched I guess off the top of my head we can read stats or I can just tell you that I guess Houston's going to play every game in overtime for the rest of the season. So congratulations to Cougs fans who are going to have to live through overtime for every single game of the 2022 season.
2: Yeah, I saw the latter part of the fourth quarter, and I saw the overtime. So it's not enough to really make a judgment call. But I will say, from what I saw, I thought Donovan Smith played really well. And I think he's the better quarterback on that team. So maybe I'm biased, and maybe I'm just seeing what I wanted to see. But he did score the game-winning touchdown. Assam completes passes. He also had two interceptions in the game. So he, And he only completed 36. of so his 57 passes. So it's not like he was balling out. But I don't know. I think... <laughs> Tank Dell is still awesome. Seven catches, 120 yards. I just think that Houston is a solid team, but I don't think, you know, it's, it's not Cincinnati of last year. We don't have right. that team in the G5. We've got good G5 teams, but we don't have a dominant team.
0: And by the way, uh, UTSA also played in overtime. So these two teams are cursed based on what's mm-hmm. happened in the first game, and now UTSA and Houston are only playing overtime games the rest of the year.
2: Fade Houston and UTSA in November when they're tired. They'll have like three extra games on their bodies at that point.
0: But UTSA in the points against Texas, right? Like, I know that I I set it up as the wouldn't it be hilarious, but, I mean, there's no way after the emotional exhaustion passes that the Roadrunners do not at least have an opportunity to cover. Not the straight-up win, but at least to cover. UTSA
2: won't have a letdown. We know that for a fact. That Um, team's always juiced up and ready to go.
0: Did you all see the LSU fan who wandered yes. on the field?
2: Yes, no. I could have used whatever the hell he was on right now.
0: He was in another dimension, bud. I can't wait for you to go and find this because he was <laughs> not obviously the field. he was not obviously um, intoxicated or inebriated with alcohol in the way that you would normally expect, and I. Listen, he could have been sober, but that doesn't mean he was not in another dimension because <laughs> his confidence as he strolled out from behind the end zone all the way to the ten yard line. While play was going on. While play was going on like five to ten yards ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Um he was he was and, living in a he was a, he was in a different place, man. And was the incredible.
2: best part, the best part, was his reaction to the cops, because he looked at the cops like, "What the hell are you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know you, I'm why are him? you accosting me right now? I'm just going for a
0: walk. What the I'm, hell? <laughs> I'm gonna call that man Skycam." That's what he thought he was. <laughs> he was coming in to get his own all 22. He was acting. Hey, y'all know how Nick Saban acts during the Alabama spring game when he's walking yeah. way too close to the competition and trying to get a like good look at all the different blocking angles. He thought he was Saban in a straw hat. He thought he was out there in the salmon suit at the spring game and that he could just walk onto the field and be able to have his own commentary. To be fair, the competition might've suggested that it was a spring game as uh as LSU worked out a lot of much-needed issues in a 65 to 17 win against Southern, uh, they needed a little bit of that. It was 37 nothing at the end of the first half. It was 51 to nothing at halftime. Maybe that's why Captain Skycam decided that he was going to be okay to walk on the field without any punishment. But um, yeah, the uh, the security guards came and, and handed their punishment a hundred percent. So I'm not I'm not overreacting to LSU success. I'm only mentioning the score to let you know why he might have felt like nobody was watching. Cuz I don't think did, uh
3: um Did you guys see USC?
0: Did it I mean, I hope they didn't lose. It was 41 20.
3: It, it it went final. Okay. They uh they started out their drives were 33 touchdown, 83 touchdown, 75 touchdown, 98 touchdown, 75 touchdown.
0: Oh, did you see the game in general? Yeah. 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 I I saw the whole first half. I I didn't see uh, all of the second half.
3: I mean, that was, they were just surgical. Also shout out to Stanford for secretly running Wake Forest's offense. They're running like, like the, the extended sort of like practicing ballroom dancing style action in, in the backfield. Um, it, they actually moved the ball pretty well. Didn't actually stick it in the end zone when they got down there in the red zone, shockingly. And, uh, yeah, USC 41 28 with some late scores from, uh, from Stanford.
0: Well, from what I saw, they were not like, like they were multiple in the way that an NCAA video game, when you would hit multiple, you would then have access yeah. to literally mm-hmm. like the entire playbook because they were doing uh shotgun mesh point you know read option stuff while also doing like eye formation stuff and like you know offset eye type formations like they are using the entire offensive playbook I mean great nerd move I guess you know if you're going to be at Stanford and, and be able to to have players that are ready to handle it but um like they hit that uh they hit a couple long runs against USC's defense. They hit a couple of explosive plays. But ultimately, as you mentioned, Bud, from what I saw, they were never going to stop Caleb Williams from being able to uh, reach the end zone. Your, let me jump on my narrative vibes uh, horse here and get real reckless. The cameras are going to feed into this. But let let me find out that everyone thinks that like Caleb Williams is like a real leader of this team. Have you all heard the phrase leader yet? Because the cameras were catching him doing the like fire up the defense. You know, like he wasn't just talking to the offense. We were getting a lot of like chatting up all the teammates, going to the offensive line, trying to trying to get everybody going, real rah-rah talk. I think I think we got a real coach on the field situation right now with Caleb Williams, which, wow well, I mean, for the for the Hollywood story, that that's exactly what you want.
3: Does he have like a, a, a roommate that we can talk about a lot? Like, like, uh I mean, who were the, the famous roommates on broadcast? Are Tebow's roommate, who was a uh, guy that played receiver for the Eagles, Riley um, Cooper, Riley Cooper, and then
0: he also went to a Kenny Chesney concert. Once. He did. He went yes, yes, Chesney he Chesney did.
3: Concert and it didn't go well. Uh, and then Colt McCoy had a roommate, right? Shipley, Shipley, Jordan, Jordan Shipley. Shipley. Yeah. yeah, we need to figure out if. Caleb Williams has like a white slot receiver roommate because then we can predict, the, like we can predict the talking point. The broadcast is going to go through and blowouts nonstop. This will be fantastic. And talk about their chemistry the entire time. Um,
0: it's, it's actually, um, he's just living in Lincoln's guest house, man. He's just breaking down film. I was going to say, just, that's
3: the thing these days. Caleb's probably
0: got
2: his own mansion on the.
0: Beach. <laughs> yes. a room a roommate. Oh no. I've got somebody who lives near me. But no, I don't have a roommate.
2: Beachfront property in Malibu. Yeah, yeah if, I have. I have a maid. If you mean a room, but if you mean that by
3: roommate,
0: yeah, the nil era doesn't actually force anyone to have um, anyone to have real roommates at this point. All that's,
2: right,
3: that's true.
0: Is uh, there anybody else we need to talk about here?
2: Uh, I want. Let's talk about Syracuse and get in mm. front of this because Syracuse is the new Virginia. That mm-hmm. is a fun ass team to watch. They clowned UConn forty-eight to fourteen. They disrespected Jim Moore Junior.'s house chip. They went in there, they whooped them. That's just they've got the Virginia offensive last
3: year, and it's fun to watch. Great job of that coaching staff. I thought maybe they could have some success with this at some point this year. I did not think they would have their stuff together this early in the year. They they look really smooth. Beat a. Uh, Beat a a Louisville team that I had pretty, pretty high hopes for this year. And
0: oh, should we talk about that? Yeah. Friday night. Hot Cedar Field is now hot, a little less cooler field.
3: Hot Cedar Field. I've I've, I've tweeted a lot today, so I need to scroll back to go find this. But
0: hey, hold on. But uh, Kansas is 2 0. We do need to celebrate that. Yes. Let's talk Kansas first. Tom's Twitter
2: tip of the day. I was, I mean, listen. Lance Leipold is a good coach. That team is competent on offense. They can run the ball. They can if you if you don't fill your gap, Kansas finds that gap and explodes for fifteen to twenty yards, time and time again. And that was the one thing I saw last week against West Virginia, against Pitt. The overall numbers weren't terrible, but if you watch the game closely, there were gaps that Pitt's running backs just weren't seeing and holes that they were missing. Kansas's running backs, I knew, weren't going to miss those holes. They took advantage of it. They were able to play. I didn't think they were going to win, but they went on the road. They beat the Mountaineers. I am telling you that it's not the worst team in the Big 12 this year. It's not going to be their last conference win.
0: 55 to 42 in overtime.
3: Who is the worst team in the Big 12? <sighs> Shit, it might be Iowa State. Because um, everybody <laughs> seems a little like decent. Yeah, there's no there's no terrible terrible.
2: team. Like I feel like the worst team in the Big Twelve is probably going to be three and six. Like there's going to be a lot of three and sixes, four and fives, and five and fours. There's going to be a giant cluster of them.
0: West Virginia or Texas Tech.
2: West Virginia might be the worst team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you lose to Kansas, you're already behind the eight ball.
0: Or Kansas. I mean, listen. Just because you beat West Virginia doesn't mean that
2: I'll let you climb out of this. I'm no, I understand, but that's what I'm telling you right now. Kansas is not the worst team in the Big Twelve, and they won't be. Um, defensively especially. they're not great but offensively they're going to score points
0: oh but kansas fans snapshot it you are solo first place in the big 12 conference in the conference standings right now yes stop the count here you go
3: i do have something for us here i, I think i think officially right now is the uh is the night that jj mccarthy took over because even the backup for michigan is balling two some guy named d warren is two for three for 65 yards that's a 248 quarterback rating. Cade McNamara, oh man, four of six, 26 yards and a pick against Hawaii. The uh, I think maybe the only turnover of the night. And there's some kid named Isaiah Gash running for uh, Michigan right now against Hawaii. They're up 49-10 as we speak. But McCarthy, not bad. 11 of 12 for 229 and three touchdowns. It is Hawaii. I, I think Harvard won't embarrass Hawaii here. pretty bad. That.
0: So, when Michigan takes the field against... Oh, no, it's UConn. Oh, no. Oh, God.
3: Yeah. UConn is better than Hawaii. Like a I, would lay a, I, I would lay a touchdown with, with UConn over Hawaii. I'm pretty sure.
0: Maryland like, comes to the big house on September 24th. Congrats, Maryland, by the way, on uh, thumping one of the worst teams in the FBS, Charlotte. Hope the fields were good. Yeah, t- um, uh, Talia
3: ahead of the Quarterback didn't play again for Charlotte. Re- Re- Reynolds' shoulder still banged.
0: Yeah, the second backup's out too. They're down to the third yeah. string. The
3: Williams kid was not terrible, but they just, Charlotte's defense cannot handle what Maryland has at receiver.
0: Uh, Michigan goes on the road. So it's UConn, Maryland. Both those games are at home at Iowa, which I don't know. I mean, score 14 and you're good there. I think that I can trust Michigan's offense to score 14 at Indiana. I mean, this team is cooking until Penn State and Michigan State, but both those games are at the big house. Mm-hmm. This I is what we
3: talked about. They have seven weeks to kind of get ready and figure out which these young kids can play and, and and who can't.
0: Incredible. Michigan looking great, humming right along, everything going uh, just according to plan. Anything else before we get out of here?
3: Yeah, um, I feel like if you sign John Rice Plumley, you should – run him like, I don't care that Louisville is loading the box they're loading the box because they they want they're daring you to throw because he can't throw all right check this out so UCF had a 100 percentile when running the ball Epa wise that's 0 point two four they had a zero percentile nationally when throwing the football negative point five five
2: I said it last night I Never related more to an Auburn booster than I did watching that game sitting on UCF minus six.
3: Seriously. Um <laughs> please stop letting him throw. I know you took I know you took Baker, the transfer receiver from, from Bama. I don't care. Just run him.
2: That's what I was thinking. Like, did you tell Baker you're gonna throw to him 10 times a game? Is that how you convince him to show up?
0: <laughs> so all right, bud, do you have your uh power ratings pulled up? They don't need to be updated, but just yeah. like rough numbers are gonna be okay. This is this. We we will close on this. If Iowa and Texas A and M were to play each other tomorrow, where would you set that total? (laughs) Oh
3: (laughs) shit! (laughs) All right, Uh, give me like like, give me like twenty seconds here.
0: As as we're looking at this potential matchup of Iowa and Texas A and M of Spencer Petrus against. I'm going, King.
2: I'm setting it at 39 and
0: a half. 29 Because <laughs> 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 I can tell you that Texas A&M and Iowa playing football against each other probably ends up with a similar score than what Texas A&M played today. Losing 17 to 14 against App State.
3: I make it 33 and a half. So, <laughs> and the I thing is, I worry that's I, too high. because I feel to like, you. like, listen, you, don't have two option teams live,
0: you saw Bud actually calculate that. And if you're listening to this later, this is not contrived. He was put on the spot. That is an honest answer. He said, Tom is throwing his back out again. 33 and a half is where the total would be set. I can it, only hope. That the artist formerly known as the Outback Bowl features Iowa and Texas A&M so we can spend a hungover New Year's Day watching a total of 33 and a half <laughs> I,
3: I feel like like Jimbo and 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 Kirk Friends' son would have like a little like slow off like, oh yeah you could take all those seconds off the play clock watch this and then they just take delay games and then eventually somebody gets a safety and and then I don't know if they ever actually score touchdowns but
2: uh yeah, you know how like there's always that gap when the officials looking at the play clock, there's like, they're testing to see how long that gap really is every
0: single snap. Incredible. Amazing stuff. Thank you, bud, so much for doing oh that way. on the fly. And thank you to all of you for watching live here on the Cover 3 podcast and downloading it later. It it was an amazing week too. Um, it was said by so many people all across the sort of college football world, but it is... Uh, one of these last weeks before conference play gets going, you look at the schedule, you think it's going to be a slow week, and it always gives you surprises. And it's so much fun. Uh, glad you enjoyed it as well. And you can follow him on Twitter at Bud 3 You can follow him at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much.
3: Thank you. Bill.